It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Of midnight. This is Frank Moreno. Uh, there is nobody, and I mean nobody, that knows the national political scene more than Mark Halperin, a veteran journalist. Uh, everything he does in print and on broadcast is uh, something you really can't miss if you want to be an informed person. The publisher of the Wide World of News newsletter, which is just terrific. I get a, a little excited whenever it hits my mailbox because I know I'm about to be smarter than everyone else that is not reading that newsletter. And uh, we are lucky enough to have him in a time zone where it's convenient for him to join us in the wee hours of the morning. Mark, it's great to talk with you again. It's been too long. Frank, great to talk to you. Very honored to be invited on. Thank you. Uh, Mark, uh, the big news here in New York and uh, really around the country by the looks of the five all news channels that I'm watching right now, all of which are covering the same story, is Donald Trump still not indicted by the uh, Manhattan DA's office, but poised to be indicted, grand juries reconvening. Uh, Putting aside the legal aspect of this, what do you see as the political ramifications for this for Donald Trump? Well, look, we're going to have at least probably 96 hours before this thing moves. And so, um, as uh, John McCain used to say, everything's already been said, but not everyone's had a chance to say it. So I'll weigh in uh, the way others have to say, I think in the short term, this will be good politically for Donald Trump. It allows him to uh, dominate the stage and talk about the deep state, talk about out-of-control prosecutors, talk about George Soros, and to say that, um, as he has, you know, with more discipline than he sometimes shows, this is, they're coming after me because they're coming after you, meaning his supporters. I think in the longer term, there, there are potential downsides for him here. Uh, I don't think he would be convicted before the election, so I don't think that's the issue, but you never know longer term. Short term, I think it helps him. And um, what is the polling, if anything, showing about how the Republican base is reacting to this whole thing and Trump's handling of it specifically? There's not a lot of data, even private data, because, you know, polls are expensive if you do them right. And nobody wants to pull the trigger on a story that everybody keeps anticipating will move to a different uh, place. We don't know what any indictment will actually say. There's a lot of speculation about it. Um, but uh, I've not seen any data that I trust. What I have seen is the reaction of most political figures, uh, not just uh, politicians, but strategists, uh, social media uh, influencers, et cetera, 
And this is very reminiscent so far of what we've seen anecdotally of what happened after the federal agents went into Mar-a-Lago, which is a rally around the Trump um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dynamic. And uh, I expect if there is polling uh, soon, it will show within the Republican Party more support, not less support for Donald Trump. One of the things that uh, a lot of legal analysts, even including a lot of you know nonpartisan, not at least not traditionally partisan legal analysts, um, have said is that of the four Trump criminal investigations, that uh, that is this is probably the weakest case. You got the documents case. You got January sixth. You got the Georgia grand jury. What do you think? Um, it, let's say there is an indictment forthcoming Monday or Tuesday. What do you think this does to the other uh, the other legal cases that Trump is facing? Does that help him by making it all look like a a, a pile on, or is it a sort of death by a thousand cuts? How do you see it? More likely, I would take door number one. I think if you're the other prosecutors, you can pretend that your work is not influenced by an initial indictment. But in politics, uh, and and to some extent in the law, weak links are weak links for a reason, and they can have a huge impact. This case is the weak link. We don't know exactly what this prosecutor has. We don't know what the other has. But this one's weak for two reasons. First of all, the 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 underlying facts of the case as they are known. Uh, don't involve high principles. They involve a personal issue for the most part. And most legal analysts, as you said, even some liberal ones, some independent ones, think that shouldn't be the first indictment of a former president in American history. The second reason it's weak is because it is it is uh, going to be based on a, a jerry-built legal theory that is unorthodox, not wholly unprecedented, depending on how you look at it, but it's just not a standard case. And so I think that this is the weak one. I think you'll see Donald Trump try to paint any subsequent indictments, if there are subsequent indictments, with the brush of this weak link, it may, mixing my metaphors here. And so I, I think if you're the other prosecutors, you hope that Bragg has second thoughts and doesn't pull the trigger. Um, all right. Now let's talk about the other big behemoth on the GOP side of things. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, with Mark Halperin. Highly recommend uh, that you uh, subscribe to his email newsletter, The Wide World of News. Um, Ron DeSantis, and you can go check that out at markhalperin.substack.com. That's markhalperin.substack.com. Ron DeSantis has had a little bit of a change in strategy. He was sort of ignoring Trump, not really saying anything negative. He started off by taking a couple of uh, of digs at Trump for paying hush money to a porn star. And then he sort of unloaded on Trump in that interview that he did with Piers Morgan. What do you think is behind this uh, DeSantis pivot in strategy? Well, I'll preview the upcoming edition of Wide World of News out in a couple hours, uh, the 19 reasons Trump is going after DeSantis. And one, one of the 19 is DeSantis is not a declared candidate. He doesn't have a war room. He doesn't have a rapid response operation. And you can see in the public polling and the private polling, DeSantis has been hurt by several weeks of Trump and Trump's uh, Trump's team going pretty hard after him. And he's he's a smart guy. I think uh, what a lot of the Trump people think, which he may well have a glass jaw, as as amazing as his rocket rise launch has been over the last couple of years to position himself as the 
only real alternative right now to Donald Trump for the nomination, he's still very untested. And I think what you've seen in the last couple of days with the with the Piers Morgan interview, with this press conference where he took that little flick at Trump, is the beginnings of what I anticipate to be a colossal battle of negative attacks and counterattacks between the two men that uh, is going to test DeSantis's capacity because whatever you think of Donald Trump as a leader, as a as a person, he's a he's a beast of a presidential candidate. And and when the people on the left criticize me for saying he's one of the best presidential candidates I've ever seen, I flip it back to them and say, you guys think Trump is a joke. He was a reality star, reality TV host, uh, and never run for anything. And yet he, he won the White House. So I think by definition, he's an extraordinary candidate. And we're going to see if DeSantis can build on what he's done, as you pointed out in the last couple of days, which is to push back more than he ever has, although I, I think it's pretty light in terms of the proportion of what he says from Trump. The one of the things you have better sources than than anybody. And one of the things that I've heard as a couple of DeSantis's negatives is I've heard that as a retail politician, he's very lacking. He doesn't have much of a, a sense of humor, either when talking with small groups or when uh, greeting people on a one-on-one basis, which matters in states like Iowa and New Hampshire. I've also heard that he doesn't really cater to the donor class the way other presidential candidates tend to. Have you heard both of those things? I've heard them both uh, repeatedly uh, over the last many months. They're both true, at least so far. We're going to see does he he may he may decide he never needs to cater to the donors maybe he thinks that's not necessary maybe he'll raise his money in small dollar increments in a way that won't require him to uh, care and feed his donors the big dollar donors the fat cats the bundlers in terms of a sense of humor in terms of a retail touch i i've watched a lot of video of the guy i've i've observed him in person on a few occasions he 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 doesn't put in the effort and when he does he's not particularly good he did go to a, a Staten Island uh, uh, diner uh, recently, uh, showed the good sense to start uh, to working on the, the most discerning people in America, the good people of Staten Island. To Amen. Amen. Didn't, Amen. Didn't get didn't get that much coverage. But I looked at the video of that. You know, is he is he Bill Clinton? No. Is he John Kerry? No, he's not even John Kerry. Now, maybe he's got it in him, but he's not displayed it. And as you suggested, the voters in those early states, they expect that. He he went to um, uh, uh, Iowa and didn't really do that kind of stuff. Worked the rope line a little bit, but not in the way that people expect. He was behind some some barriers. and So we'll see. But there's reason to be skeptical that he can do that stuff. Reason to be skeptical that if he can't do that stuff, he can still be nominated and elected. But we'll see because, again, his rise has been very unorthodox and very extraordinary. It seems like DeSantis's lane in the presidential race is clear. It seems like Trump's lane is clear. Obviously, he's got the diehard uh, Trump supporters. It seems like DeSantis uh, is the candidate of people that want Trumpism without Trump. Now, there's a lot of other candidates hoping to occupy a third lane, whether it's Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Asa Hutchinson, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, uh, Tim Scott, you know, Chris Sununu, Glenn Youngkin, potentially. Is there room for a third major candidate in this presidential race? Or do you see this delving down to just a contest between Trump and DeSantis? Right now, I see a two-person race. But look, 
DeSantis may have a glass jaw. Trump may face legal jeopardy that, that is so overwhelming that, that he can't really run. Both those are possible. And, and, and I think what these other candidates are doing are positioning themselves to pick up the pieces if, if there's pieces to pick up. At the same time, if, if they both run strong, DeSantis and Trump, I don't see the capacity to raise money. I don't see the capacity to sign up the top consultants. I don't see the capacity to uh, maybe even get on the debate stage, depending on what kind wow. of rules the RNC set. So right now, I, I don't like to take it away from the voters. We'll see what happens. As I said, both the front runners could fall. One or both could fall. But if they both stay strong, I don't see room for anyone else. There are plenty of voters out there who would like another alternative, particularly the kind of Mitt Romney, John McCain, George Bush wing of the party. But they may have to choose between Trump and DeSantis or to sit it out, because if they want to vote for someone who can win the nomination, they may only have those two choices. Um, you, you mentioned the debates. Obviously, that can be a game changer. We've seen people who no one had heard of in both the Democratic and Republican debates uh, turn that uh, moment of fame into nationwide political organizations, sometimes to TV shows, as in the case of uh, Al Sharpton and Alan Keyes, um, the book deals in the case of uh, people like Herman Cain, uh, a, a major run for mayor, as in the case of uh, Andrew Yang. When is the first... First Republican presidential debate, or when is it likely to be? Likely to be in August in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, where the Republican Party will meet, and then a year later they plan to hold their convention there. Um, I, as I understand it, the table uh, stakes to get into that one will not be particularly high. You'll have to be, you know, somewhere in the polling and somewhere in terms of number of donors. But the RNC may well ratchet up. Uh, what it takes to get in the, the next debates. And you look at the polling standard, which is which is typically what parties and other organizations use to determine who can get into a debate. Right now, no one else is in double digits. You know, you see rough polling, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, five, six, seven, eight sometimes, occasionally higher. But it's going to be difficult to set a standard, a sensible standard, unless somebody explodes uh, some other way besides the debate stage or maybe does well in the first debate with a lower threshold, it's going to be difficult for anybody to break into those double digits. And again, the RNC is going to face a choice. Do they keep setting a low standard or do they simply turn maybe by December, January to Trump versus DeSantis one-on-one debates? That's a real possibility. Uh, Mike Pence was uh, was here in this studio about uh, about 10 hours ago. He was on a terrific radio show, uh, Cats and Cosby on uh, WABC in New York. Very on message when it came to politics, when it came to uh, foreign policy. This is what he had to say about foreign policy and where the Biden administration was on that front. It, it's, it happens that Saudi Arabia hates our people in charge in Washington so much. China is using their influence to uh, get Saudi Arabia to recognize Iran. I mean, what is going on here, uh, Mr. Vice President? I think you're witnessing a vacuum of leadership on the global stage, largely owing to the failed policies of the Biden administration. I mean, the fact that you now have – you had – President Xi in Moscow with Putin earlier this week. You you have China negotiating relations and some sort of a normalization between 
Saudi Arabia and Iran is all evidence of a vacuum that's been created about the United States pulling back. I mean, we're sending mixed signals to our most cherished ally, Israel. And instead of building on the Abraham Accords, that were that was the first peace agreement in the wider Arab world with the state of Israel and Arab nations in 25 years. And for the first two years of the Biden administration, they wouldn't even use the term Abraham Accords. Mark, in that one minute, Mike Pence did a lot of very clever things. In only a minute, he basically signaled that he doesn't agree with DeSantis and Trump on the Russia-Ukraine situation. He kind of indicated he has a very different attitude, which is consistent with some of the things that he said. He appealed to people that view Iran as a major threat. He appealed to people that view Saudi Arabia as a major threat. He took a couple of shots at Biden, reiterates five times his support of Israel, which is popular not just with Jewish voters, but a lot of Christian Zionists. Is there any lane, uh, be it on the Christian right or social conservatives or anybody else, is there any lane in which Mike Pence will be able to break through in a primary contest that includes both Trump and DeSantis? Frank, you're a very sophisticated, clever annotation of that that minute of, of Mike Pence illustrates that on paper there should be a lane. I've known him, covered him for a very long time, back when he was a congressman from Indiana, before he was governor, before he was vice president. He's always been underrated, always very capable. His his four years in the White House only made him more conversant with national, international issues. And yet presidential campaigns are not run on paper. And there's just a, a confluence of factors that make him, I think, right now a very big long shot. I want to see how much money he can raise, not just because you need money to some extent to run for president, but also as a sign of the support that that his folks say is out there. He should have the kind of lanes you're talking about. He should be seen on paper as a big alternative. But if you look at the data, if you look at the focus groups, if you talk to people in the party, he is not considered a strong candidate here. And because of his personal style, it's not clear that he has the capacity against two razzle-dazzle folks. I call them King Kong and Godzilla. I mean that respectfully, Trump and DeSantis. Pence does not have the personal razzle-dazzle, I think, to make it uh, clear how he breaks into the conversation. So I don't rule out that he's a player, but I think it's going to be very difficult for him with the skill set he has to go from where he is now to go to being a a true contender for the nomination. As I, um, I alluded to earlier, it appears that the most likely matchup in the general election is Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. And one of the reasons that's unique is that um, it seems like uh, at least a plurality of Democrats would prefer uh, someone other than Biden. And a substantial amount of Republicans would prefer someone other than Trump on paper That would seem to uh, open up a wide lane for a third party or independent candidate. I know uh, you were involved at one time with the No Labels group and you no longer are, but they have mounted this really vigorous ballot access campaign and they're in the process of qualifying an unnamed presidential candidate for, for the ballot. If there is a Trump versus Biden ticket, do you see this being an election where we could see a viable centrist third-party candidate? 
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I do, but because of the work in their labels, who, as you said, I've worked with, they, they, they're the only ones who had the foresight to say, if we get a matchup that turns off tens of millions of Americans who want a third choice, this may be the cycle. 2024 may be the year when th- that is not just a viable option, but a very, very strong option. And it requires ballot access. And No Labels has done the hard work, continues to, to make sure that they are in a position to give that ballot line to a ticket that could win. So the data is unprecedented. We've never seen, as you said, so many people of both parties unhappy with the likely nominees of their party. Tens of millions of people would be not just dispirited, but some would be disgusted if it was a rematch and if it, those were the only two options available. So I, I've always been skeptical in the past of such an effort. I think this 2024 could be the time. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Do we know the no labels timetable for when they would uh, pick a candidate or decide if they were going to run a candidate? Based on the identity of the major party nominees, which typically is determined in March of the presidential year. One of the questions I got earlier in the show was about a potential running mate for Trump. And everybody has their favorites. Are you hearing anything from Trump world about who they may be seriously considering? Nobody right now. I mean, it's always a, a great parlor game, a great guessing game. Uh, and, and Trump world normally, you know, is happy to engage on almost anything. But it's far too early for them to have a good sense. I, I think when you talk to folks there, a woman is more likely than a man at this point. Uh, but that doesn't narrow it down very much. And, and uh, they're really focused on making sure that, that uh, they're doing the right things to beat DeSantis or anyone else who rises up. So I don't think there is an answer yet that is meaningful from the point of view of who he might actually pick. Although, again, the speculation is pretty rampant. And and I think uh, safe to say it won't be Mike Pence or Ron DeSantis. (laughs) uh, If uh, people want to subscribe to the Wide World of News newsletter, Mark, uh, what's the best, the easiest way for them to do that? Just go in the Google machine and either enter my name and Substack or enter Wide World of News. It will pop up as your first result. And you can subscribe. It doesn't cost you a dime to, to read it every day. Uh, I, I welcome people to contribute and, and, and to make a voluntary uh, payments, but you can read it every day for free. All right, uh, Mark, I very much enjoyed the conversation. I hope we can do it again uh, next time you're in a similarly convenient time zone. <laughs> Frank, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank really you. Honored. Mark Halpern, the honor's mine. Uh, check him out. The Wide World of News. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're certainly welcome to. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.